What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. So welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Tafui. So Tafui, uh, we we connected fairly recently. We just recently met when we got to speak on a panel, and uh, that was that was very very cool, very um, cool yeah. experience. And uh, we hit it off, and I was like, yeah, I got to get you on the podcast. And uh, yeah, so tell the people what is it exactly that you do. Well. That's layered. I usually just say I'm an artist and a designer. Um, but, you know, I design a bunch of different kind of things. I do digital and physical products. Um, but since for the past, uh, since 2014 or so, I started um, my online store where I sell my art prints. And then I put that art on products um, for home. So I have a line of textiles and I do pillows and pouches and, you know, I call them soft art. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm also a practicing fine artist and I've been doing a lot of murals lately. And I currently have a mural um, installation up at the um, Vancouver Art Gallery. And I also participated in the Vancouver Mural Festival last year. Cool. How does... So how does that work? Do these things, they stay up permanently or are they they come down? So the Vancouver Mural Festival is permanent and the one at the gallery is temporary. Okay. Yes. All right. It's up how until you, June 15th. The one at how the do Vancouver. you feel about that? Uh, the temporary work? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah, it's kind of like, it feels it was a for me it's like a lot about the process so while I was making it it was just um such a really good feeling I I love painting I've been painting since I was five um but it was you know it was really labor intensive and I was so proud of it when it was done um and then I thought, oh, my gosh, it's like only going to be up for a few months. I wish it was going to be up for longer. If we could literally cut the wall out and do something with that, which is something I did propose. And we can talk about that later. Um, but, you know, like getting the lines clean and it's a lot more work when you're doing it um, for something that's going to be indoor. And if it's going to be in the gallery. Um, people are a lot closer to it and the walls aren't that high so you definitely have to put uh, a lot more um, love into Mm. um, the little lines and all the details for it to you know come down in a few months right 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 and uh for the people who don't know where are you currently based so I am squatting on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam nations, also called Vancouver. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, so I know you're from Jamaica originally. Yeah. And yeah. What, so what brought you to Canada? 
Um, so my dad, so being from an island, you pretty much, if you want to go somewhere, you have to fly. And um, my dad thought it was really important for me to experience other cultures while I was young. So in the summers, he would like ship me off <laughs> to get rid of me pretty much. Um, <laughs> Um, to my family, um, and we ha- I have I have family in Montreal, so I used to spend a lot of my summers like in New York or Florida and Montreal, and sometimes you know I'd go to um, I'd go to uh, Europe, so wow. I did that too. But you know Montreal was just like really special to me. I had my grandpa there, and um, you know my dad's. Um, half siblings and um I don't know it was just like really this kind of um warm um kind of magical place that was like in between France and North America and it's like you know there's a different cultures and languages there that I really love um so when I finished high school he you know we were talking about um, me going to university and, um, you know, like I said, Montreal, I chose Montreal because I really loved it. And um, that's how I ended up there. I had family there and I had I really loved it. And it was like, you know, it was like mixed, it was a mixed bag, but it was just um, um, very, it was a wonderful experience overall. All right. Cool. Yeah. So um, what was it like for you in Jamaica? Growing up as a kid or? Yeah, yeah like growing up. And, and like was... what part, what part are you actually of Jamaica are you from? So I'm from Kingston. So okay. in the burbs, like the suburbs in Kingston. Um, uh, it was like, no, you know, like I'm, I think about it so many times and it just, um you know, it was just really wonderful. And it was like, I grew up when, you know, it was like the birth of, of um, dance hall. Mm. And like, um, you know, I remember when hip hop was not popular there and like, you know, hearing like, you know, the what we call old school hip hop stuff, like that coming in, filtering into the culture and going to the States and seeing connecting with the Jamaican community there and then going back to Jamaica and like um going to the beach you know running around in my yard with no shoes on and like feeling the grass between my toes and eating mangoes until I'm like completely sick of mangoes (laughs) (laughs) and pineapples having just you know like when I think of my childhood it's like the beach and the, 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 you know, the grass and fruits and, you know, like all those fresh fruits and, and how sweet the air would smell when I would go visit my grandmother. Like those are the things it's always those kind of very tactile and um, aromatherapy, you know, moments that I really, I really kind of like connect with when I'm, when I think about my childhood in Jamaica. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like very much similar to um, a lot of people like I went to, um, like in the Caribbean. I don't know how it is in in the Bahamas, but like in when you're in prep school or primary school, it's it's um, 
you know, like it's both genders and then in the high school, it, is it the same? Oh, I see Bermuda, but um, the... Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Right. Um, it's, it's the same. So like both genders in high school too, but... Oh, it is I mean, both genders in high school? Yeah. yeah. Oh, not... not most of the schools um, aren't like... They separate you in, when you're in high school. So I went to an all-girl high school, oh. um, which was also amazing. So, uh, and then... I left, you know, from high school and that's when I moved to Montreal. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So all of that's interesting. All of this, and it's not private schools. It's just all the schools they separate. Most of, not all, but most of the schools are like, yeah. The, <laughs> the private schools are usually when you're younger and, and most people attend public schools when you're in, um, when you're in high school because it's really difficult to get into high school so people invest mm. in your pre-high school so that you can pass the exams to go into high school it's like old British system that's really um I wish they would change it because it's very stressful and you know it's um and education is based on how much you retain and not how you process the information you know so and not everybody does well in different you know, different people have different learning styles. So you can get, you can fall through the crack, you know, like yeah. between, you know, prep or ele- or elementary school and high school, if you're not um, on top of your grades. So um, there's positive and negative things that, you know what? You know, about that. That's interesting because I, when I, uh, so the high school I went to, you had to take an exam to get into in Bermuda. And there were a couple others that were like that. And mm-hmm. I rem- now you got me thinking back and I remembered like it was almost this mentality that if you got into one of the, not all of the schools you had to take an exam for, but it was like the ones that required an exam, it was almost implied that those people were going to go on to do certain jobs. Like they were yes. going to be the lawyers, the doctors, the whatever. <laughs> Everyone else is going to go into trades or something else. And it's like, yeah. When I look back, it's um, it it's like setting some people up mentally to have a lower expect or not lower but different expectations of themselves. Or yes. when you know, some maybe someone who you know went to the school like I went to, whereas me, I, I went into I was more interested in art than any of that other yeah. stuff. And someone else who I know who went to a school that you know didn't require an exam or they got low on the the test to get into my school and went to another school they're lawyers or they're actuaries and mm-hmm. it just it it's it yeah it does it can like set you up in a path that doesn't necessarily work for you and it's just because of some arbitrary thing that happened when you yeah. were like 10 or 11 years old like, I know and it's um and they also and another thing too because people like to ask you know um when did you, you want to, how did you know you wanted to be an artist? Well, for me, it was really early. It was about five, like I said before. But even within that structure, you start to think about your life and what you're going to do really early because yeah. you have to choose, like, your third year in high school, you have to know what you're going to do because your exams are going to be in two more years. And, right. um, and everything you study is geared towards those subjects. So God forbid, you like, you know, 
you um, want to be one thing and then decide to do something else later on, you're stuck in that path and um, you have to finish it. So, yeah. So they kind of force you to think about all of those things. It kind of matures you and it kind of gives you something to look forward to. But then when you're that age, not everybody knows what they want to do with the rest of their life. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's got its pros and cons. Um, Yeah. So how have you been coping through the pandemic? Oh, um, it's been good and bad, Hmm. you know, like there are days when I'm just like, is this Tuesday or is it Wednesday? (laughs) (laughs) Last year I kept, I kept, um, missing Wednesday. Like for some reason, (laughs) Wednesday was just not in my week. And then this year, it's now Tuesday. Like, I'll completely skip past Tuesday. And it's Thursday. And I'm like, no, it's not Thursday. It's Wednesday. (laughs) And then I realize it's, you know. So, um, you know, those. And, you know, like with my husband, who's um, work. He's he's been working from home uh, since last year. And now what was my studio, which was like, so small to begin with is like now my studio slash his office and it's like (laughs) (laughs) we literally cannot fit in the room at you know like the both of us at the same time so it's like Mm. yeah it's difficult yeah yeah Uh, I hear you uh Mm -hmm. how is like Vancouver so we we just recently jumped into a little bit of a slight lockdown uh yeah how are, how are you over there they're just now they're saying that we need to pretty much stay in our neck of the woods so people like in some parts of the lower mainland you know like we have to stay in that area I, like technically i can't go to um uh vancouver island um yeah so it's you know like so what i do well i have to say it's spring and for me, I call spring aromatherapy season in Vancouver because like everything's flowering and the trees are just really beautiful and it smells amazing. So it depends on what street you're on. You'll just like, you'll get hit with this like really beautiful kind of citrus, like, you know, and floral scents. And then another street, it's like another scent. So I find mm-hmm. it's... um you know, you, I'm finding the joy in all these really little things. I have always loved walking anyway. So, um, so yeah, that's why I'm trying to make sure that I get up and I leave the house every day. So, um, I have to burn those calories for my husband's cooking. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you know, it's um, you know, we're healthy, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like at the end of the day, I you know, I can't really complain when you're looking at a television, and and even now, what's happening in India and like running yeah. out of beds and oxygen, like there, it could be that. So it's, it might be frustrating and uncomfortable at times, but you know. Yeah. It could always be worse. So Absolutely. just have to count the blessings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you you had some experience in the advertising uh, mm-hmm. industry. Yes. So yeah, how did, what what made you transition <laughs> into more art side? So um, so when I graduated, you know, so my course in university um, was, or my degree, I should say, it was this fusion of different types of design. So I did graphic mm-hmm. design, um, uh, animation, web design, and then there was the physical product design. So it was like more industrial design. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I did a lot of furniture and that's where I, you know, I really experimented with textiles with the furniture and uh, all of these things. So that's, you know, like it was, it was pretty much a really good program because you could build your physical product, then build a digital platform to put your product on that you could sell it. Uh, so like, it cool. was kind of, yeah, the only thing I think was missing was um, like maybe more business. Hmm. Um that would have helped. Um, but anyway, so when I graduated, I really wanted to make physical products. I love digital products too, like web, web. Um, um, and then it was a recession in, in Montreal at the time. And I think, you know, like after I finished, my grandma had passed. So I went down to Jamaica for her funeral and I stayed in Jamaica. Cause you know, <laughs> it was just like really in love and, um, with the city and just um, the energy that's there. And um, it was difficult getting work in, you know, cause at that period people weren't really like hiring you for industrial design um, jobs. It's like kind of specific to certain regions and cultures I find. Yeah. Um, but I got a job um, in advertising as an art director and which was, you know, I worked, I think, about two or three ad agencies there before I started teaching. But, you know, all of those mediums and all of those elements in design really worked um, in my benefit because, you know, when you're in advertising, it's about being multifaceted. So you have to know how to take a photograph well enough to direct a photographer on how you need the lighting yeah. and um the art direction of those photographs, you need to know enough about typography in order to choose the right typeface and the layout and all of those things. And then, you know, I would also do a booth design for, you know, a trade show. So that's where my industrial design background um, really came in handy too. So, um, so, you know, and while I was doing all of that, I was still painting. So I would have my exhibitions and then I would go in and I would do, you know, jobs for like American Airline and British Airways. Like at one point I was like doing all the air, I had like all the major airline accounts. And um, also with that, my boss, the owner of the agency, was the one who kind of pointed out like that, how much, cause I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes down to culture. I'm like, I, I would be an anthropologist if I wasn't a designer. And um, a part of my job later on in the agency was taking designs from that was made in North America or in Europe and identifying the culturally incorrect um, 
elements within that branding and making it making it culturally appropriate for Jamaica and then for the Caribbean. And it was because I lived in Canada and meeting all other, you know, other people from the Caribbean and having just really small conversations and finding out what's really important to someone who's, you know, from Trinidad or Barbados and things, you know, just those small conversations really ended up benefiting me in the, you know, later on. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah. So then we, that's how, you know, what I started doing. It's like, um, um, reimagining and redesigning, um, um, international brands for the Caribbean market. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. Now, remember what you were asking me. <laughs> you asked me no, I was just, uh, yeah, I was just curious how you ended up as an art director. Uh, yeah, that yeah. it was like, that's how it happened. And yeah, it was, um, yeah, it, that's how it happened. It was just, you know, I applied and, um, you know, things you discover things about yourself when you're finished, when you're I've, school is just the beginning, you know, and then you start discovering all of these parts of your personalities, like little things that you may nerd out about is what makes you a unique designer. And all these different life experiences that you have can't be morphed into somebody else, you know, it's, right. it's you, you. So I apply um, all of those experiences in everything that I do and everything that I design for someone or for myself, I always think about, you know, the impact, not just like culturally, but, you know, even the environment too is a big part of, of um, product development for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you, after all of that, end up in Vancouver Okay, so I moved back to Canada. So when I moved to Jamaica, I stayed there for about um, three or four years. And um, I had applied to move back to Canada and it took that long. And then um, by the time, you know, the the four years had passed, I was like, ah, should I move? Should I not move? You know, like... And um, then I ended up, you know, um, in Ottawa because my the, the family that um, I was closest to at the time, they were living there. So that's where I ended up coming back to with my husband. Um, and I was in Ottawa for a good, like, well over 10 years. Mm. Um, and then my husband actually got um, a job here in Vancouver he works in tech and um, we ended up moving to Vancouver so um, I didn't know what to expect and it's like the most pleasant surprise ever and (laughs) all Canadians should have the experience of living here Um, because it's and also in Quebec too like I find that the cultures like there's different elements in different parts of Canada like you know, I find Ontario is like very similar, you know, um, but Montreal is pretty unique hmm. and a little quirky, but Vancouver is extremely quirky, <laughs> you know, it's like extremely yeah. quirky. And as, as a creative person, it like, I'm never, um, 
I like I'm never the strangest in quotations <laughs> of person in the room when I'm in Vancouver. I, and I just love that, you know, it's yeah. you know, I you know con- like Ottawa is a beautiful city, but I feel it's really conservative mm-hmm. and it's not artsy. And I didn't realize how much I missed that kind of artsy environment until I moved here. Cause you know, like I was in Ottawa, it's like about an hour and a half from Montreal. So we'd be in Montreal all the time, like most weekends. And um, yeah. so it would kind of fill that void that I had while I was in Ottawa. So you know, I kind of got used to that, but like being here, it's like so amazing. And I even just found out the other day that Vancouver has the most most artists per capita in Canada. Uh-huh, like, yes. So yeah, so and when you're here, you can definitely feel it. Mm-hmm. Like in the neighborhood that I live, it's like um the epicenter of the neural festival, and there's just neurons everywhere, and it's just very warm. Mm-hmm. And I met so many people and they were just so welcoming, you know, and, you know, the other artists here would tell me, um, you know, like what events are happening and like just, you know, you just end up finding out about stuff because people just include you in it. And um, yeah, for sure. I think especially if you're a creative person, you know, mm-hmm. living in Canada, you should definitely have an experience of being here very welcoming community here yeah yeah so far um you know like the creative like for me creative people are my peeps you know like (laughs) and it's very diverse so you have actors and you'll have like animators and um like different types of artists musicians like all these different kind of creative scenes and it's like and it's a small city. It's like very walkable. So, um, which is also something that I really love. Mm-hmm. So um, you get to you get to meet you know you get to meet people in the community pretty easily here. Cool. Yeah. So, what is it about black and white? You, your work always seems to feature <laughs> black and white, and I I'm a, I love black and white myself too. It's something that uh, you know. I get it, but what is it for you? It was Ottawa. When I moved to Ottawa, I um, read Ottawa as a very monochromatic city. Okay. And it's not just visually, but in terms of the personality of the city. Um, and then it, I know this might sound strange coming from a, a, a tropical person, <laughs> but like I love like I have my favorite winter days and my favorite spots in like um in Ottawa and like in the Gatineau region that I would always go to and um I I read the Canadian winter as black and white especially in that region because the trees are pretty dark and then in Ottawa there's lots of water but it's it's um you know like lakes and rivers and so it's it gets dark in winter and then you've got the really crisp white snow that's like freshly you know 
freshly uh, minted or just like there on the the ground and yeah. I just read it as black and white and plus it's like it's either a government work worker or you're not a government worker it's like uh, you know yeah yeah it's very corporate so um I also I felt a little odd here because you know here is like this <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. free-spirited you know Jamaican artsy lady and um so you know I it's a whole bunch of things and it just you know there's a whole bunch of different things that inspire me and my work and why you know I'm I've reached to this point and why my aesthetic looks this way um mm. but even before that the primary color palette for me when I was in Jamaica and I was painting it was black white and red and I still do have red in my work in my fine art pieces like the base color is red but it's layered with black on top so you oh. don't really see it unless you're it's in person um so yeah it's really especially my textile and that print collection was really inspired by that that and, uh, you know, like West African textile techniques and all of those things. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and also like Japanese calligraphy that tends to be like pretty black and white also mm -hmm. with the black. So it's um, a lot of different fusions of cultures and um, things that I've like kind of, you know, um, picked up over the years. But and definitely the odd the winter right yeah. that's interesting i didn't i would not have guessed that at all uh but you know and you've you've with all the traveling you did you would have picked up a lot of different cultural influences yeah uh, early too uh, yeah so that's that's interesting okay and you the other thing that i find interesting about your work and you you uh, it's another reason why you and i kind of i think hit it off is you kind of, we we both float in that world, but somewhere between artist and designer. Mm -hmm. And do you ever feel a conflict, or do you just uh, have you come to a point where you know exactly who you are in those specific situations? Here's the thing: I have always known who I am, was, wanted to mm -hmm. be. Um, you know, like I'm the youngest member in my family. So I had a lot of grown up conversations growing up mm -hmm. and, um, and also having a lot of people tell me who they thought I was and should be and saying, no, no, I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, so, and having lots of conversations, even with my dad, like he would pick me up from school every day and we would have these like solve all the world's problems kind of conversation on my way home. Yeah. And um, he would ask me questions um, that would make me think, um, he would never tell me who I was, you know? he would ask me and it's there's such a difference when you're you're asked 
you know, instead of told, you know, what you should be and what you should do. So, um, and I'm kind of an, an overthinker, I think, too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I said, when I was five years old, I started a new school and my teacher gave me watercolors and told me to paint my feelings because, like, that was just her way of pacifying me because I kept crying. And um, that, I just really, that the, the feeling that I got from painting really stuck with me. And since I was that age, I just knew I want, I didn't know what that look, it looked like, but I knew that this is what I was meant to do. Right. And everything I did was geared towards that since then. And I had a dad who would just really facilitate things. Like if I wanted to try a dance class, he would make me do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and um, he wasn't wealthy by any means, but he really believed in me and my dreams. And he had, I guess things that he always wanted to do when he was a kid and he really tried to give me those opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I pretty much, you know, like even in university, I would experiment with things that I'm doing now, like techniques with textiles, with paint painting and, I remember having this one particular teacher who just like, she didn't understand it. Like that wasn't her background and, you know, studying fine art is extremely Eurocentric. So when, you know, for me, I was pretty much mostly, you know, um, the only black person, definitely when I went to CJEP in all my art classes and, um, when I went to university, it was a little bit more different, but it was still not a lot of um, diversity, racial diversity. Yeah. Um, and even with the, the teachers too. So I, you know, it was, it would be heartbreaking when I would try to experiment because for me, it's about trying new things or repurposing or reimagining something that's really old in a modern way. And, if you're doing that in one of the oldest art forms, you're going to come across resistance. And, you know, she, she's just said, you know, culture places too much of an emphasis in your work. I would never forget it. Uh, yeah. I was like, but art is culture. <laughs> <laughs> and this, what I'm doing isn't even my culture, but because it's coming from a black body, you think that, you know, um, is Jamaican or whatever, you know, she just assumed it was Jamaican and instead of trying to find out what I was doing and the cultural yeah. um, relevance of why I was doing it and where it was coming from, it was just judgment. No, this is different. You shouldn't do this, um, fail, <laughs> mm. you know? And it was like really, um, oh my gosh, I remember like bawling my eyes out. <laughs> you know, but then fighting for what I believed in afterwards and, you know, and um, having her just readjust the way she thought about my work and what I was doing. So, so. your fighting back worked? Like she did actually start to consider? Oh, she failed me. And this is like the mm -hmm. first time, like I'm a huge art nerd and like I've yeah. never failed an art class. And when I got the failing grade, I was just like completely devastated. Mind you, I was also an international student. 
So right. for me to repeat this course, it's thousands, you know? And, and I said, if you think that cultures are different, like because my culture is different and it shouldn't, because it's not Eurocentric, and it shouldn't be here, then maybe you shouldn't be taking people from other countries. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, like, you know, at first, I, you know, it's my usual heartbreak. I'll cry to get out some of that negative energy. And then I'm like, but wait, why would she say that? And then I started mm-hmm. to really analyze it. And, you know, and throughout the years as an artisan or a designer, if you try to do something that's, different or what people aren't accustomed to um you're going to come across resistance and then it's just finding ways of communicating through that the differences i find that's where the that's the key and it took me this long to really figure it out but it's the that's the key is the communication of the why why um yeah why why this is there and and as you know, even though in art people mm, don't always expect it that much, but in design, it's like one hundred percent sure. Like you need to have the answer to that why. Yeah. yeah, this is like a prime example of the importance of of representation and of uh, yes. cultural competency, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, diver- like yeah this... yes diversity but true diversity true diversity but it, yeah. it's it's not just race it's like culture yeah. it's sexuality it's gender yeah. it's language it's learning styles it's with you know ability like it's so layered you know there's yeah. so many things that we really need to think about because the world isn't just one person or two people you know yeah when you're looking at it through one lens it uh you're missing a lot yes and it's it it would be sad because i you know i imagine someone like you slip into the cracks and taking everything like you know what she said and giving up Uh, it would no there's like the resistant Jamaican woman <laughs> who lies within my soul, you know, like that blood, you know, the, you know, I, I've been really thinking about it too, just as, you know, as a people, as, you know, what it, it's, we've been through a lot to be where we are. Mm-hmm. And, while I was in school and I would sit in classes and I would be the only black person in my class, it wasn't, I never forgot that the moment, you know, like there's these moments when I would have like, you know, if this was 50 years ago, this would not, this would be illegal. Mm -hmm. You know, if this was X amount of years, I, you know, what I wouldn't be allowed to sit here. Like, there are moments when I have that, you know, like that recollection and, and um, so if I'm, you're going to put me in a space, I'm going to make sure I make use of it, you know, to yeah. the best of ability. For, for yeah. sure. For yeah. sure. So uh, let's go back to your work. So mm-hmm. in terms of you've got 
like your pillows that I consider more of a commercial product. And then you've got like your fine art. How do you figure out how to price those things? And I, I've heard you talk about accessibility and things like that before too. Like how With does price? that work? Yeah. So I, you know what? Like, so I, you know, I did a whole bunch of stuff in design, but I didn't do any business courses. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I started, I actually had a blog before and I was noticing that lots of other designers and creatives um, is primarily in New York and California. They were really branching out and they were, you know, doing prints and all of these things. So I thought, you know, that's such a great idea. And um, yeah, so I wanted to try that. So then, you know, it's just through research and doing online courses and YouTube and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, you know, that they would tell you, you know, you have to calculate all your costs. And then if you're going to do wholesale, this is how much you need to add to do wholesale for it to be profitable. And then when you do retail, this is how much it needs to be to be profitable. So there's, you know, all of these really practical and logical um reasons and courses there that can really help you yeah in order to um in order to like uh know how to price your work yeah Um, yeah yeah cool do you ever stop to think about um uh like positioning so for instance i i i'm i don't think art pays me as a streetwear brand but it is kind of in that category and sort mm-hmm. of and then you know some people i find in this category you know they might charge a thousand dollars for a t-shirt you know like mm-hmm. do you ever toy in that area like to say oh tafui is a luxury brand or to be honest with you <laughs> i would be considered a luxury brand for the price okay. of my pillows they're like um over a hundred dollars and over two hundred dollars, they're mm-hmm. not your typical twenty dollar and thirty dollar, um, um, you know, cushion that you get. Yeah. Um, and it's because my the fabric that I use, um, it's uh, Belgian linen, so it's organic Belgian linen that's mm-hmm. digitally printed um, in the states and um then it shipped here mm-hmm. to Canada and then it's sewn in Canada and I have an amazing seamstress that I now work with who has her small company and she does amazing work and there everyone's paid a living wage there's yeah. all of these things that are important to me and it's and the reason why it's digitally printed is because it doesn't use as much water as when you um, screen print stuff on, and it doesn't pollute the way screen printing does. Mm-hmm. Um, and linen also is a fabric that doesn't use as much water as cotton does when you're producing it. Mm-hmm. And they don't put a lot of um, antibacteria or antibiotics or um, pesticide when they're growing the flax seed, which is what linen is made out of. So there's all of these different things that went into me um, creating this product and why I 
I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, that's the price that it is. So now yeah. it's, you have to wonder when you go in and I find it would be wonderful if we all had some kind of product that we made. Cause then now even you as a maker, you're have to think about, you know, like the t-shirts that you buy for $15, like, you know how much it costs you to produce that. Yes, you're doing a smaller run than someone else, but how, what's happening like in that process of making a t-shirt to cost $15, like for retail. Yeah. Like, you know, how are you being treated? Who's, yeah. Someone's getting taken advantage of at some point in that process. Yeah, and are we comfortable with that? And, you know, yeah. so there's all of these things that we have to think about as consumers. And I guess it's expensive for some people mm-hmm. and um, I get it. And I do have, you know, provide options of payment options for people who really want. And, um, but it's just like the cost of a burger. If it's $4, try going to the supermarket and buying all of those ingredients and calculate it and see what it comes up to. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, and so, if there's like challenges, what would you say is one of the like difficult things about what it is you you do in your business? Um, I'm still like I I don't even consider myself to be a small business. I'm like a oh. micro business, <laughs> 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 and um. It's, you know, it's like every cent that you make and it will end up going back into your business if you want to do like add another skew to your yeah. um, collection. And um, and for me, it's just really a, also about getting um, better packaging now, you know, like not using plastic at all. And what does that look like? And where can I get... Um, biodegradable bags that um I can put my art in that's mm-hmm. also archival and you know like and if I have it for over a certain time will it biodegrade and how much is that loss and can I you know how can I integrate these different types of um you know paper and packaging with shipping and how can I reduce all of that even with the shipping so it's 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 um and then COVID how does you know, it it makes a lot of stuff. It they're delayed. Like things just take way longer now. Yeah. And I just um, made peace with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah, there's just a lot of um, different um, factors that go into it, and you know, it, it is a labor of love, and it does provide opportunities in other areas. So at the end it kind of balances out right right yeah i i know that that feeling (laughs) jeez uh so if there's um one piece of advice you would give an artist designer creative in general what would that be just do it whatever it is that you're thinking about Hmm. that's just keeping you up at night because you know like for me it's right before I just I fall asleep 
you know, some amazing idea will come to me and it, then you'll wake up the next day and you're like, should I do it? And should I not? Just, just do it. You know, yeah. stop guessing, find a way to do it. There's always, you know, an economical way of getting things done. So um, just don't overthink it. Mm, don't overthink. Yeah. You're lecturing me. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> so what you, what you got going on, what you want to promote? So I have the mural installation that's up at, uh, currently at the Vancouver Art Gallery. And we are doing a print fundraiser. So we're trying to um, make $40,000 um, so that we can pay for tuition for um, someone to go to OCAD. Nice. And yeah. Yeah, and I'm also raising funds. Some of that, uh, some money too, is also going to the Vancouver Art Gallery itself for their arts programs, mm. um, because their they their money is really from people coming to the gallery and membership, and they lost seventy percent of their revenue. And as I was painting the mural, I could definitely see the impact that COVID had on the gallery itself, and you know, like lots of um communities of color can have issues with um some of the choices that are uh, canadian or you know actually um arts institution and galleries may have had in the past but you know they have made a pledge to change that and i i while i was there too i really thought about a world without galleries and i thought i like how would i function you know it's like such a a part of um, me um, and thing, it's just a part of like, you know, my family and that my, you know, it's a part of my culture, you know, as an artist to visit galleries. And um, it's, you know, really devastated so many industries and so many businesses. And I definitely could see the impact there. Mm -hmm. So we're, trying to raise funds for for the gallery too um, but most importantly to add diversity um, in the Canadian design um, scene it's um, and I find OCAD or um, Dean Dora is doing an amazing job at, at really um, trying to change that and to decolonize design it's not an easy task yeah um, but you know, she's um, had the the cluster of, um, I think it was about five full-time professors that she uh, brought on board. They're all black professors. And I thought, wow, like I would have loved to have had that experience when I was in university. Um, you know, just certain things that I wanted to explore at the time, you know, when you have the facilities available at your fingertips and um, would have been very beneficial. And I think um, representation and diversity um, is really important. You know, no one can tell the story like you can tell the story. And there's so many things, um, problems, design problems that could be solved if there were, if we had a balance with diversity um, within design, even if you think about like, um, with ad campaigns, because I, you know, 
been in the room, then it it's for the most part, I was almost always the only woman there. And um and you know, you're selling products that um that you have zero experience. You don't have a lived experience of using that product or ever needing to use that product. Mm-hmm. Or um you know, it, it's so important to have different people telling those stories just in a little ad. I could think of even as a, a child seeing a lot of hair commercials and it was always, you know, like a very pale skinned white woman and her hair was very shiny and it was always blowing in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just the standard of beauty and that couldn't be anything further than what I have as, you know, on my head as like with locks and um, because people, you know, people at some point you have your own bias and that's based on your life experience. But if it's more balanced, then you'll have more um, diversity and more interesting stories. And I think that, you know, um, who doesn't love to see, um, who doesn't love a good story, regardless of what the person looks like, right? And it's yeah. good to see someone's story that you've never experienced um, reflected at you, yeah. So um, yeah. for me, you know, having such an amazing dad who supported me and um, losing him, you know, last year, you know, when um, we witnessed um, what happened to George Floyd, I couldn't stop thinking about his daughter and and what she, what was taken from her and not just, you know, with his case, but with so many other people. And, you know, I was still, I'm still mourning the, the loss of my dad. And um, I really wanted to do something to just honor him. Mm-hmm. And, um the impact that he's had on my life and I wanted to um, pass it on to someone else because so many people think that you um, don't make any money as an artist, it's not important or as a designer, it's not really relevant, Mm -hmm. but it's more important and more relevant than you think. Every product, everything that you touch from your bed sheets to the bed, to the, the faucet, all everything was designed and thought about by someone. Yep. And just imagine what the world looks like with more representation and with more products made for people, by people who are, have a lived experience that's similar to yours, you know? Yeah. So um, I think it's something that's very lacking, especially in Canada. It's very needed and um the unfortunate thing is that some people need to see you know a successful black person as a designer to believe that it's possible and then to 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 encourage their their kid to do it but what if your kid is going to be that kid for for everyone else and you're telling them not to do it so i wanted to really remove that barrier um Mm. of coming out of school with this giant uh, student loan that you have to pay back, you know, with interest. Um, I really wanted to do that. And it's not just, uh, it's just something I just started, but it's something that I want to, um, 
become just a part of of my brand and my products and um to have an, an element where you know um of giving back and um mm-hmm. yeah yeah i love so, that yeah so i, I we pitched like for them to like take the wall down and like auction the wall and then they try but it's a it's a port supporting wall so uh, the prints were the next best thing yeah. um yeah so that's what we're doing and they were right. the staff they've been really awesome and um really amazing to work with as a partner and um they've been really supportive and um you know it's it's going well and it's you know the prints are available in their on their online store at shop vancouver um art gallery and um or you can just google tafri prints vancouver art gallery and you'll find it okay. and um yeah so all of the the profits will be going to to charity all right yeah so so let's let's buy some prints um, yes so uh where can people find you online um they can find me on instagram at tafui t-a-f-u-i and shop tafui so it's s-h-o-p-t-a-f-u-i dot com yeah all right me there sweet tafui thank you for uh jumping on to our pays me and sharing your story and uh your uh, oh, delight and uh it's been great getting to know you a little better <laughs> yeah it's always good chatting always so good yes 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 uh yeah you gotta like tafui is uh definitely someone that um i'm a big fan of so please check her out and uh thank you for listening to our page <laughs> thank you to langy beats for the theme music you can find more of his music on youtube If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.